you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. spirit tonight and I feel that I'm in alignment with what God is doing because I don't share my subject matter my topic my message title but when it seems like that the worship service and the scripture text and the message all is in alignment that God is in it so I take it that God is in what I'm going to speak tonight. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and Hebrews chapter 4, beginning with 1 Timothy chapter 2 and then moving to 1 John chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5. For there is... A multiplicity of gods. For there is one God. For there is one God. For there is one God. Ah! There is one God. And one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. We have an advocate with the Father. Pick it up right in the middle. We have an advocate with the Father. Who is the Father? Jesus Christ, the righteous. Wait a minute, you don't mean that that's not the second person in the Godhead, for we have an advocate with the Father. My little children, write. These things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm glad I know the name of the Father. His name, according to 1 John chapter 2, is Jesus Christ. And he is the righteous. Verse number 2, and he is. Everybody say he is. 
the propitiation for our sins. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 15. Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Are you glad you know who the high priest is? Would somebody give God praise and glory for the fact we know who he is? We honor you, Jesus. We honor you tonight. And we've come to exalt your name tonight and lift your name high above all powers and above all principalities against everything that this church may be battling and struggling with right now. Every sickness, every disease, every disappointment, every spiritual dilemma that may be upon this church, we speak Jesus over it. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. I'm going to just talk to you for a little while tonight about who Jesus is. I'm just going to talk to you about who Jesus is. The world is confused. The world gets confused about Jesus. They get confused. They don't even know who they are. They get confused. They, they can't figure out, they can't figure out their, gen, their, their gender, much less figure out who Jesus is. But the scripture gives us such clarity that there is one God. Even one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. First John tells us that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the advocate with the Father. He is, I want you to get this now, he is the advocate with the Father. So the scripture, in fact, I read three texts to you tonight for the purpose of you understanding that he is the mediator between God and man. He is the advocate when we sin. And he is the propitiation. That word, is a, that's a fancy word that's, it's very deep, and I'm not going to go too deep into it tonight, but I'm going to go deeper than what I am right now with it. But it is a word for saying that he is the offering. He became the offering. He was the offering. He didn't send somebody else in his stead. He is the offering. He was the sacrifice. And he remains the sacrifice. Oh, and nobody going to help the preacher tonight. He wasn't just the sacrifice for then, but he remains the sacrifice. Mm. If we sin willfully, there remaineth therefore no sacrifice. We have to go back and do the first works over. But when we go back and do the first works, which is the act of repentance, when we go back to repentance, when we sin, he becomes the advocate that is 
fighting for our good. So he is the mediator, he is the advocate, he is the offering for our sins. He is the high priest. Now, we've got we've to study this and look through this to understand through a multiplicity of texts. Now, I, I want to answer a question to you tonight of why that I chose to use a multiplicity of texts. The Bible clearly says there is no private interpretation of Scripture, meaning that if you take one Scripture and base doctrine on one Scripture and one Scripture alone, you can be led astray. But that doctrine must be based on a thread of, of Scriptural references that point to the same truth. So I read a multiplicity of scriptures to you tonight because I'm going to talk about who Jesus is. And if somebody comes in and tries to say, well, what about one specific verse without putting it in context with the rest of the scripture, they can become confused on who Jesus is. So he is the mediator. He is the advocate. He is the propitiation or offering. And he is the high priest. Now, I'm going to debunk a little bit of what I'm even going to say right now, but because of our earthly thinking, I'm going to try to break this down and help you understand that he is the attorney. And he is the price paid for the crime. And he is the judge. He is the advocate, the propitiation, and the high priest. And he is one. I hope I hope I don't jump in over my head tonight. I wish I wish the whole church would be here tonight because sometimes I have a word that I need to speak and not everybody's here and sometimes some folks that aren't that, that, that haven't spent a lot of time around the church they get confused on some things and and they need to hear this tonight because the whole world needs to hear what I'm preaching tonight. There is but one God. And his name is Jesus. And he is everything you need. He is the advocate. He is the offering. And he is the high priest. No wonder that he said of himself, I am. Because whatever you need, that's exactly what he is. He is Alpha. Not just because I said it, but he said, I am Alpha and I am Omega. I am the beginning and the ending. That very context begins with I am the A in the alphabet and I am the Z in the alphabet. I am before time, I am in time, and I 
am after time. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am. I am He which is. That's in the present. Which was, which is in the past. And which is to come, which is future tense. He is the God that moves outside of time and space. Now, in one in passing, one may ask what is meant by mediator, one of the specific. I'm going to break this down just a little bit for you tonight. I don't want to get too teachy because it's Sunday night. and we, I know you want to get out of here. I'm all this between you and Applebee's. One may ask what is meant by mediator, or what does it mean to have an advocate? And, and I do believe these are two of the most interpreted scriptures when it comes to the teaching of the Godhead. And even wrong teaching among the apostolic faith. Now I say this carefully, but we've got to say this correctly. Trinitarian scholars and writers, those who suggest that there's more than one God, suggest that these words mean something very different than they are originally intended because they use the analogy of advocate being a lawyer, mediator being a negotiator, and propitiation being the turning away of wrath by an offering or paying off the judge. But this missing point is that Scripture says that he didn't just pay off a debt in order to get us out of trouble, but he is. The propitiation. Meaning that he didn't just pay the debt that he didn't owe. He paid the debt because he became sin for us. Anybody know I'm in the scripture right now? Hebrews said he who hath no sin became sin for us. The polluted doctrine often taught here is missing the point. That Jesus didn't take an offering to the Father on our behalf. But he was and still is the offering on our behalf. As a matter of fact, there is but one. So Jesus didn't have to go to the Father because the very first scripture that I read into your hearing said that Jesus was the Father. And so therefore, he didn't take an offering to the Father, but the eternal God of glory only had one way of becoming our propitiation or our offering. And that is that he became flesh. The mighty God of glory became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. 
and became the whole purpose of him walking on earth was not to do miracles. I'm going to let that settle just for a moment. The purpose of Jesus coming to earth was not to turn water to wine and to raise the dead and to bring dead, the dead back to life. The purpose of the miracles was so that people would believe that he was God in the flesh. And so he performed miracles to prove to the unbeliever that they may believe that he was the Christ. So Jesus didn't just pay for our sins, but Corinthians chapter 6 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us. It wasn't our black sin that was literally nailed to the cross. But it was his bloody body which bore our sin that was nailed to the cross. In the garden of Gethsemane when he wrestled with the will of the flesh, saying, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will. He didn't want to drink of the cup. But in the garden, he took the cup representing sin and he took the sin. Now you can't take what he partook of out of who he is. And so he became sin for us. And it was him, Jesus, who was nailed to the cross. So this takes on a new meaning when we look at the phrase, we have an advocate with the Father. Some have attempted to say and give an ideology, the New International Version, gives a polluted idea of what this text is about. This is where we have to be careful with translations. We have one, it says, who speaks to the Father in our defense. That's false doctrine. You're never going to find that in the original text. You're never going to find that in Scripture. You're never going to find where he is speaking to the Father on our behalf. Similar interpretive renderings are given to the good, such as the Good News Bible, who says, which says, we have someone who pleads with the Father on our behalf. The Living Bible says there is someone to plead for you to the Father. There is no Bible justification for such translations or philosophies. Clearly what the NIV and other translators had in mind was a court scene where we were the accused. And such translations suppose God was an angry accuser of mankind. And Christ being our defender, 
steps between an angry God and a sinful man and pleads with God on our behalf. The Greek word here, however, that I must point out to you is a word I have brought to you on a multiplicity of times. That Greek word for advocate is parakletos, which is rendered advocate. We have an advocate. In the King James Version, it is translated one who speaks in our defense. While Parakletos doesn't uh, does carry this sense of legal advocate in some non-biblical writings. It never carries this ideology into the Holy Scripture. The exact word is only used elsewhere by the Apostle John in John chapter 14, 15, and 16 where it is rendered in the King James Version as comforter or counselor. We have an advocate, a counselor, a comforter. Mm, anybody see where this text is taking us to? Because when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, before the ascension, Jesus says, for the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, <laughs> is going to come. Each of the four references is speaking of the help of the Holy Ghost, from which we greatly benefit from these recorded words, the associated words. The paracleo or paraclesis, and I'm not a Greek scholar, but know enough to study at least to bring you definitions. These ideas are used more broadly, but never in the context of a court scene, never in the sense of the exalted Lord pleading before the Father for us. These translators in their translation, had a preconceived, unbiblical ideology of there being three in the Godhead. It's the only way that this could possibly work. In fact, such an idea runs counter to the biblical de depiction of the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, being with us and in us. This is what the Bible said. The Holy Ghost is with us and the Holy Ghost is in us. Anybody believe what I'm preaching to you tonight? The Holy Ghost is not only with you, but the Holy Ghost can be in you. That means the comforter or the advocate is not only walking beside you, but he also is in you. The Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost which is working in us is working on our behalf. The Holy Ghost is our comforter. 
according to the book of Acts. The Holy Ghost is our advocate. Not as one speaking for us or pleading to the Father for us. For that would violate the oneness of God. But it is speaking of one who steps in for us. One who gets in the way and takes our punishment for us. One who takes the guilt of sin and carries it for us. When we sin, we have an advocate. We have a paraclete. This is used to describe the word advocate. Stay with me in this biblical teaching for a moment. It is speaking of one who steps in the way and rescues us from what? From the impending harm or impending danger. In other words, the Holy Ghost, God in us, steps in the middle of our situation to save us from the impending harm. Some may feel like once they are saved that they don't need a Savior. But I want you to understand what 1 John says. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Verse 9 says, but if we confess, that word means to admit. If we admit, become honest about the fact of our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Hebrews 10, 26, for if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remaineth therefore now no more sacrifice for our sins. This is why we need a Savior. This is why that we need him to be our rescuer or our paraclete. We have an advocate. This is what I want you to understand tonight. You have an advocate. Well, pastor, I have sinned. You have an advocate. Pastor, I'm imperfect. Join the club. But we have an advocate. Pastor, I made a mistake. I messed up. We have an advocate. My little children, these things I write unto you. First John chapter 2. I've got to hurry. These things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. If we sin, we have an advocate. We have a paraclete. Or we have a rescuer. The storm may be raging, but God is not afraid of your storm. He will step into the middle of your storm. We used to sing a song, when I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, 
there was one who came along and rescued us out of the mess that we were in. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes along, and here's the false teaching that we have to be very careful about. Somebody comes along with the ideology that Jesus is forever before the Father and He is ever praying for us. This creates at least a duality of God if not a triune God. I've heard it said, I can't explain it, but Jesus is forever before the Father pleading our cause and praying for us. That is completely out of context with Scripture. Because Jesus is the advocate he is the offering, and he is the mighty God. So therefore, the, the, the scene of the courtroom where an angry God is pointing his bony finger toward failing and falling humanity, and Jesus is before him, forever pleading before him, is a false analogy of Scripture. But if I can break this down for you and explain to you the truth of this context is that Jesus Christ went to the cross for our sins and His blood and His redemptive work is an eternal work that is forever working on our behalf. So therefore, when we sin, we have the blood of Jesus, the advocate with the Father that is saying, but you can get up and you can keep going. When you make a mistake, the blood of Jesus is for you, not against you. The blood of Jesus is crying out. As the blood of Abel cried out vengeance, the blood of Jesus cries out mercy and says there is mercy for you. There is grace for you. He is not forever pleading with an angry God. He is the almighty God that enrobed himself in flesh. And for your lifespan, the blood is working and is advocating for your sin. Get up out of your sin. Get up out of your dilemma. Get up out. There is now hope for you by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why we can sing, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. It's a song of praise. Oh, somebody ought to give Him praise right now because He reached down to where you were and He lifted you up and He brought you out and He is forever making intercession for you. Stand with me all over the room. He's forever making intercession for you.
That doesn't mean he's before the Father begging your, begging your cause. Because the blood of Jesus, once and for all, redeemed every sin of mankind. When you go to him and you repent of your sins, the blood of Jesus begins to work in your life. When you sin willfully, there's no more sacrifice until you go back and do the first works over again. But when you go back to the point of repentance and you pray and you repent and you have a change of mind, heart, actions, and attitude, the blood of Jesus begins to advocate for you all over again. That means you're not going to get too far from God that his blood can't reach you. You're not going to walk too far away that his blood can't redeem you. You're not going to mess up so bad that he can't save you. There is but one sin. The Bible tells us one sin that God will not forgive and that's the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. And I believe in order to blaspheme against the Holy Ghost that one has to have already received it. And once you've tasted, tasted the heavenly gift, then you know it's real and you know it's true once you've tasted it. But most, anything beside blasphemy against the Holy Ghost, the blood of Jesus, is able to cover. Oh, Pastor, I was a bad person. It doesn't matter how bad you were. It doesn't matter how wrong you were. It doesn't matter how far you went. You have an advocate. You have a mediator. You have a high priest. He is, the blood is for you. The blood is working on your behalf. You couldn't save yourself. It was nothing but the blood of Jesus. You couldn't redeem yourself. You can't get good enough to be saved. You can't get righteous enough to be saved. You can't walk holy enough to be saved. You've got to have the blood applied to your life. Come on, you've got to have the blood applied to your life. It's not by your works or you would boast about it. But it is the blood of Jesus Christ that redeemed us. The blood that washed us. The blood that saved us. Oh, anybody thankful for the blood of Jesus? It's all in Oh, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, he died on the cross. Oh, I know it was the blood that saved me. Oh, I know it was the blood. Come on, sing it like you mean it today. Oh, I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, he died on the cross. I know it was the blood that saved me. Oh, yes, I know it was the blood. Yes, I know it was the blood. I know it was the blood that saved me. One day when I was lost, Jesus died on the cross. I know it was the blood that saved me. Somebody give God praise. Come on, somebody thank him for the blood.
Oh, thank God for the blood. Oh, thank God for the blood. Because it's never working. Thank God for the blood that washes white as snow. Say thank God for the blood. Power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Oh, there is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. And it's important that we never forget what I preached tonight. It's important that we never stop singing the songs that we're singing tonight.